pull up to your spot on low Shine brighter than all of the cats that got on glow Laying the cut like they not going no Cause if I gotta make a move dog they not going no This dorm all private this is not for show It's most deaf what you call real for show Is they what you call gangster? Hell no They get a little pinch and go snitch to the pole They all talk fast and they all think slow I'm most definite not think so Flood your city with the black ink flow And my crew ain't scared to let them things go So stop with the nonsense Welcome in to the Deep Cover Podcast We're back, we're back We've been away Uh, Nothing new for loyal listeners, right, of the show The most regular, irregular recording schedule in the game That's how we do Uh, But it's good to be back It's good to be back Back with my guys, Chris and Carrie Uh, Gonna talk Ravens as usual and, you know, whatever else we feel like talking about, for real. Uh, we're not limited to football. But, uh, obviously, we've got a game, a fresh game. Unfortunately, you know, Ravens lost to the Steelers up there in Pittsburgh on Heinz Field um, on that that last play of the game, basically that two-point uh, conversion attempt. But we'll get into all of that. Before we do, since you haven't heard from the guys in a while, let's touch base. Kerry, how you doing? I'm good, man. Excited to be back with you guys. Uh, you know, we got a lot to unpack uh, with this last game. I, I mean, we were talking before the show, just so many layers to this last game. We could go on forever just about this game. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be back with you guys and, um, you know, ready to get to it. Yeah, and we did go on forever. A little behind the scenes for everybody out there. We've probably been talking for like an hour already <laughs> before we clicked record. So we did, uh, you know, unpack a lot of those layers. But there's still more. That's how many layers. We talked a bunch, and there's still more to talk about. Uh, but Chris, my man putting out the draft prospect content. Let me, let me just, let me, let me just you know, hit that right off the top before we, we, we check in with you. If you haven't already seen it. Go to the Deep Cover YouTube channel. You can go to the Deep Cover um, Twitter account at Deep Cover Pod to uh, find the link. It's out there. Broke down a couple of, uh, of players early on. I started watching it before we had to jump on. Got to see a little bit of my man Iki or Ike. I might get his name wrong. Big tackle at uh, NC State. Is it NC State? Yeah, NC State. NC State. Charles Cross, who I've seen a little bit of. Uh, even before at Mississippi State, like that, like what he was doing. And you broke down several other guys. So definitely check that out because uh, it's hot and it's just the beginning. Uh, but anyway, uh, now that we – I wanted to get that out there and let her, let people know how, uh, how you're doing your thing right now. How you been, man? I'm doing well, man. It feels good to talk to people and not talk to myself into the computer anymore. I was kind of feeling like, like Tom Hanks and Castaway talking to, <laughs> talking to Wilson. <laughs> So it feels good to be back with my brothers and and talking to you guys. It's a little awkward when you first start doing that, and it's just you, and you're very, just talking. Very awkward. I, I told you, I told you, I was like Stanley Kubrick with the amount of takes that I was doing to start off with. <laughs> Dang, I didn't know nothing about those. I saw that one where you said, "Hey, I had to, I had to kind of tweak something, but I went in, I did it, knocked it out in one." One try, I was like, he like, you know, Jay Z back in the day. He going in the studio <laughs> off the dome, one hitter quitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but definitely check that out. Uh, we know we got a lot of people who love the draft, love player evaluation, and uh, I've said it here before. I'll say it again. I think these two guys, these two gentlemen, are some of the best minds out there 
when it comes to that, really when it comes to all things football, but definitely when it comes to looking at prospects, you know, coming into the league, um, you know, I could go down their list of players that they've, they've been right about, but they're humble enough to also tell you about the ones they've missed on and share, you know, kind of what they learned from that. So to me, that's always a sign of, you know, a talented evaluator. Anybody can kind of, you know, tout off, you know, oh, I hit on this guy, I hit on that guy. But the people that are humble enough and open enough to say, hey, I missed on a couple too, and here's what I learned from that. That's what I like to see. So these guys do it. Check it out. Check it out. For the record, I didn't miss on Tim Williams. The Ravens just didn't give him the right opportunity. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> let him tell it that's for darn let him tell it yeah i got a long list perryman kamala correa uh, arthur brown <laughs> oh damn that's one everybody many, got wrong many many more many more i just throw those three off the top and i learned something from each one of those so you know that that's that's what i try to take away from those ain't no sense in beating yourself up over getting stuff wrong in anything in life it is what it is you know take what you can from it and and try to keep moving forward with anything so that's what i do but anyway let's let's talk about this raven steelers game like we said so many layers uh but let's start i think with you know the thing that you know kind of was on a lot of people's minds because it was the last play of the game let's start with that two-point conversion and even that has like layers within layers right so you can talk about the play call you can talk about the decision itself, which is where I, where I think we, we can start is just the decision, you know, to go for two there as opposed to attempt the field goal and try to tie the game. I'll start with you on this one, Chris, just in terms of the decision. And then if you want to, you know, go into the play call itself, you know, by all means. But just starting with the decision, what did you think about it? Uh, I loved it. Uh, I was telling you guys earlier that. I wouldn't have had the guts to do it, uh, not because I didn't think they could get it, but just because I'm a coward. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't have been able to call that. Um, but it was the right decision. You know, when you see the play that they drew up, when you see how open Mark Andrews was, obviously you didn't get the right result that you wanted. But as far as drawing up the right play, it was it was the, the right call. You know, I know a lot of people just want to look at the end result, but um, – it's it's difficult to just only look at the end result and say it up oh, it didn't work so it was the wrong decision. It's like no it it, it should have worked. <laughs> it just it didn't though. It should have worked because if it works, Harbaugh's a genius. You know, uh, Greg Roman wouldn't be a genius because he's not going to get any credit no matter what he does. He can't get that love. He can't get <laughs> so. Harbaugh would have been a genius and Lamar would have been great. If if that if they you know convert that to that two point conversion, but um, yeah man I, I I agree with it I love that they went for it it's who they are, and uh, they're consistent with it, you know with making those those fourth down calls or those two point conversion calls they're going to be aggressive, and uh, they stay true to who they were and you know that I rather them go down being who they are instead of not being, you know not being themselves and losing in in that kind of way. Totally agree. Totally agree. We've heard Harbaugh uh, hit on that last point that you just made before. We said, look, we could try to be a facsimile, a copy of another team of somebody else. Right. Just because that's what's trendy or what's hot in the league right now. Or we can try to be unique, 
uniquely ourselves and try to be the best version of ourselves. Right. And he said, I'm always going to go with that. I'm always going to try to be the most uh, unique version of myself and the best version of myself that I can be other than trying to, you know, kind of copy the flavor of the month, whatever that might happen to be. Carrie, let me get your thoughts on the decision and even the play. Like I said, if you want to take it there too, obviously you're a guy who, who deals with decision-making every week when you do your DraftKings lineups, um, you know, not, not just for the NFL. I know you, you do NBA too. So you're, you're always living and working in that decision-making space. <laughs> what did you think uh, about the choice? Yeah. So from the, from the jump, I respected it. And I tweeted that out. I said, you know, I respect the call to, to do it, but I wasn't sure how much I liked it or disliked it. But as things were kind of going, um, you know, there was a little delay and then the play got called and just thinking about it after the play, even with the outcome being the outcome that we didn't want to see, I liked the call. I liked the decision. I liked the actual play call. Um, when you look at it, there was so many different things at play. You have the Steelers offense, who I think Mina Combs pointed out, uh, averaged like seven seven point three yards per play in the fourth quarter. You have that. You have um, Tyree Phillips at right tackle getting destroyed by T.J. Watt. I mean, that alone, even if you get the coin flip, you know, he could just blow up a drive. He could just completely end the drive. Um, So you got all these different factors. So you have that or you have one play at the two-yard line to win the game. You have to respect that. You know, it was the the right call. Um, The the play was a well-designed play. They missed it, you know. End of story. I mean, you know, that's 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 really all it boils down to. I respect people's um, opinions on disagreeing with that, opting and taking into overtime. You know, I respect that. You know, I've seen people that are very um, uh, measured and reasonable in their takes that have that that thought process, and I respect that thought process. Uh, but I don't agree with it. I, I think when you have a chance to win the game and you look at all those other factors on, on the other side of the thing, um, you know, one play at the two yard line to win a game and go nine, um, you know, nine and three, you can't ask for any more than that. You know, if you can't get up for that, if you can't figure out something at the two yard line to try to get, um, you know, a win and stay in that one seed, then, you know, what are any of them there for? So yeah, I didn't have any issues with it at all. Nor did I. And, you know, there's a record out there. You know, people could listen to this and say, oh, yeah, these guys are all saying that now after the fact. Hey, you three know we're all in a in a Twitter chat uh, group. We all have even little subgroups off of that big group <laughs> and in various places. Uh, each person, somebody was, you know, not everybody in a group, uh, but somebody was saying like right after Sammy Watkins caught that touchdown, like they're going for two. There was somebody who said it in each place. Um, so, you know, there were definitely people out there who felt like, you know, that's what they were going to do. And that was the right call uh, in their in their eyes. Like you said, I respect anybody who disagrees with that and and, and feels like they should have kicked the field goal. We can we can feel differently about that and still, you know, be respectful to each other about it. Uh, but, you know, Harbaugh talked about um, 
on on his you know in his Monday presser how he kind of had that in his mind during that last drive that if we score, probably going to go for two. He also talked about Marlon Humphrey's injury and how that you know so there's multiple things that factor into that decision. He said you know we basically were running out of corners at that point, and you know you think about that prospect of tying that game and then you know having to have your defense come back out there on that field, and you know you don't have Marlon. Obviously, Tavon was on a pitch count in that game. You know, Jimmy had been out there playing, but he's still working his way through an injury. Anthony Averett also, who's been on the injured list, you know, the last couple of weeks and, you know, was kind of having an up and down game. And then just game flow. You talked about it, Kerry, about, you know, the yards per play in that fourth quarter. Uh, if you look at their 10 drives, the, St- the Steelers' 10 drives, so first quarter to third quarter, right? We're talking six drives, punt, 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 field goal, punt, punt. (laughs) Four drives in the fourth quarter. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown, in the game. They, you know, they took some nil, uh, they took a nil down. So game flow had changed significantly in that fourth quarter. And, you know, Harbs, I think, felt all of that, factored all those things into that decision. And like Chris and, and even you, Kerry, mentioned too, it aligned with who they are philosophically as yeah. a team. And, you know, to me, that was another reason why I was comfortable with it. You know, you're playing to your character, to who you are, right? You're not stepping outside of who you are as a team or doing something that is kind of contrary to what your style is. They're aggressive, you know, whether it's fourth down, whether it's two points, whether it's the win games, they play aggressively and they try to win games. So I didn't have an issue with it. I thought the play design was really well designed. And we talked before we started recording that, you know, you got to give credit to the defense too. I mean, I know people hate doing that, especially when it's the Steelers, <laughs> but you know, TJ Watt credit him for, you know, that rush and for making that a difficult throw, you know, um, for Lamar. But you look at the play design, you know, if you get man coverage down there and that, that's pretty much what you're expecting in that situation. And you have Andrews, you know, before the snap aligned on that left side, and then, you know, you snap the ball and you kind of sneak him behind the line from left to right. And he leaks out in that right side. And those two receivers that were on the right side pre-snap, they're running into the end zone. But they're essentially running pick routes. They're essentially setting picks for him. Andrew's guy who was in coverage with him either has to chase him across the line, you know, from left to right. And has got to run through that traffic in the middle of the field. Or T.J. Watt has got to peel off and cover him. If those two things don't happen. If that guy's not able to fight through traffic, if TJ Watt doesn't peel off, which he didn't, Andrews is open. Now it's not going to be for long, but he's going to be open for, you know, that briefest of moments to receive a pass. And that's going to be, a, you know, a walk-in. There's not going to be anybody else there. But like I said, credit to Watt for rushing Lamar in a way to contest that throw and just, you know, make it that much more difficult. And it missed, you know, you talk about game and inches, it missed by the fingertip, basically. You know, he was able to, Andrews was still able to kind of get a hand, get a fingertip on that ball and tip it and try and tip it to himself. We've seen him make those kind of catches. So, you know, you just got to tip your hat sometimes. And, you know, you're looking for this standard of perfection that is not realistic and doesn't exist. Certainly doesn't exist in sports. Really doesn't exist anywhere in life. And sometimes you just have to say, hey, you know what? We had a good call. They played it well. You know, credit to them. We're going to see them again in a few weeks. So, <laughs> you know, you have to just live with that sometimes. 
Um, but let's stay on that game a little bit and maybe now talk a little bit about Lamar because I think that's been the other big topic of conversation this week, really going back the last couple of weeks with, you know, kind of just how he's playing, particularly in the passing game. Uh, seven sacks in this game. Chris Wormley revenge game. I think we all knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> with two and a half. Did he had two and a half or three sacks? I don't remember. But he I think, I think he might have had three and a half or so yeah, three or something like that. Couple of sacks in that game. And, you know, there was, uh, I don't know if it was Romo or Jim Nance where they they talked about, you know, the conversation Mike Tomlin had with him before the game and say, hey, when a team trades you within the division, they're telling you what they think about you. <laughs> So, you know, Tomlin being the uh, the, the master uh, of, of wordcraft that he is, uh, that's all that needed to be said. Uh, not that Tim Wormley, need, I mean, Tim, I'm thinking about Tim Wormley, not that Chris Wormley needed anything to be said to get up for playing his old team. But if, if there was any doubt in there at all, uh, that sealed the deal. Like, hey, man, they let you know what they think about you. What's up? What mm-hmm. you going to do? And we saw it. But anyway, back to Lamar. So uh, I'll start with you on this one, Kerry, and we can we can look macro over the last few games because this, this has gone on for a couple of games now. Or we can just focus on the Steelers game if you want. But, you know, people, you've seen it. I know both of you guys have seen it. People saying he's holding the ball too long, um, you know, poor decisions in terms of interceptions at times. Um, even Lamar himself and John Harbaugh both saying, got to play better. Got to make better choices. Got to play better. Got to get the ball out. What do you think about Lamar and how he played in that game and how he's been playing in kind of, you know, the stretch where maybe he's he struggled a little bit in the passing game? Yeah, so we had a conversation before we started recording and, you know, I pointed out a stat that I saw um, and basically just looking over uh, what well, the status is season long, but looking over the last four games, just looking at how this offense has kind of struggled, having scored 20 points, um, you know, more than 20 points since before that Miami game. And a stat um, I saw was um, he has the second to worst yards per attempt uh, in the league against cover zero and cover one. And so, Mike, before the show, was nice enough to give me and Chris a lesson on, you know, some of the things they were facing um, schematically and how not everything that people consider cover zero is actually cover zero. Um, so the stats are kind of skewed, but really, if you just take that four game sample and you look at, um, you know, what's going on with his team, um, Lamar has a burden in the bear there, um, but. Uh, you know, the amount of sacks, um, you know, some of the the things that are happening with the, um, you know, receivers kind of, um, you know, running into the um, wrong places or, you know, bunching up a little bit too much. You know, all of these things are these are everybody's problems. You know, it's not these aren't just Greg Roman's problems. These aren't just Lamar Jackson's problems. You know, John Harbaugh, whoever, these are everybody's problems. And, you know, they have to get these things addressed but one thing i'll say as as it pertains to just lamar um you know we talked about this a lot he's a player that you don't want to bog down he's a playmaker you want him to be able to to you know tap into that um but at the same time he has to be able to take the routine play when the routine play is there for him and so he has to be better about 
you know, checking down when it's time to check down, um, you know, throwing the ball out of bounds when it's necessary, those kind of things. And I, I think he's just in a bit of a rut, um, you know, right now that he's kind of got to work himself out of. Um, I don't want to make excuses for him as a player, and I'm not even saying that this isn't necessarily cause for this kind of struggle, but he does so well to, uh, you know, say the right things as far as the criticism that he gets. But he's a player that's under a immense amount of pressure because when Mahomes struggles, any other quarterback, when they struggle, um, you know, they get critiqued and criticized. Hey, they need to do this better, need to do this better. You know, we, we talk about how schematically teams, def, um, defenses are kind of attacking the player. We don't question whether the player should be playing the quarterback position with those guys. When Lamar struggles, he has the answer as to whether he's actually a quarterback. And I can't imagine how frustrating that is. I can't imagine how much pressure that puts on you to perform. And, you know, he's a guy that we've seen that already puts an immense amount of pressure on himself to perform at a high level, to come through for his team, to put points on the board. So there's that natural um, pressure in that. And then you put on – uh, the additional pressure of, hey, when I don't play well, people don't even think I can play this position. So, you know, not to make excuses for him. You know, I don't want to do that, but I do think, you know, people need to kind of, uh, you know, think about that and kind of factor that in when, when you know, we when we discuss him. That's a good point, man. And it's got to be hard to tune that out. You know, regardless of what people say about, hey, these are pro athletes, they should be able to tune that out. Think about these guys, particularly a guy like Lamar, who's grown up in this social media generation, They're constantly on their phones, constantly on social media. This is how they grew up, you know. And so uh, I remember having this conversation with my niece, who's now like in her mid 20s. But I remember when she was like in her early teens, um, she talked about how, you know, she would say, Uncle Mike is different now. You can't turn it off. She was like, you know, when you were going to school, you could have beef or have words or whatever with somebody at school. Maybe it spilled over a little bit outside of school. But like at night, once you're home, like once you're in the house, whatever, whatever time that is, once you're in the house, that's it until the next day. Right. It might start back up, but that's it. She's like, for us, it's 24 hours. It don't stop. <laughs> you get home. You might be on your phone. People still saying this and that about you you know, doing, you know, tweeting or, or on IG or whatever. And she said, you can even turn off your phone and say, hey, I'm not even going to look at it, right? But then your friends sending you messages, people who you actually would respond to text with, oh, they said this about you. Oh, they said that about you. It's continuous. It doesn't end. So I'm not saying you can't get away from it. And like you said, we're not making excuses, but we always say on this podcast, these are human beings. They're not robots. And the same things that affect you and me can affect them. Right. We've seen several guys this year take some time away from the game to, you know, help address, you know, mental health issues and to try to improve, you know, that aspect of their life. So that's a real thing that's out there. You know, Lamar seems to be pretty resilient that way, uh, pretty thick skin that way. But nobody's immune to it. You know, it can get to anybody at a certain point. So you got to factor all of that stuff in, because like we we 
we always say, you know, it's the, these are uh, tremendous athletes who do amazing things, but they're human beings first and foremost and always will be. So got to factor that in. Chris, let me get your take on Lamar and how he's been playing um, through this stretch. I know you've consistently um, kind of referred to the Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes example just of this year that he kind of had a rough patch to start this season. And, you know, we were hearing the the blueprint, right? Have they, has the league figured <laughs> out Patrick Mahomes? The, the cover two. Mahomes. Yep, cover two. That's it. That's all you got to do. But yet they've kind of found their footing and have, have got on a roll here. Um, so uh, just your thoughts on, on Lamar and, and, you know, these these struggles uh, are perceived, <laughs> perceived or real. I mean, some of it's real, but just, you know, some of the stuff that he's been dealing with these last couple of games. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's no sugarcoating it. Uh, some of the, these throws and interceptions and some of the decisions that he's made and the sacks that he's taken, is a lot of it has just been dreadful. And uh, like Kerry said, we're not trying to make any excuses for him, but when you see the deterioration of the offensive line and you just see how uncomfortable he is where he's bailing out of the pocket when he doesn't even have to, you know, that that's a major problem. That's not because that's who he is because he wasn't like that at Louisville. Louisville, he would navigate the pocket, stay in there, stand tall, and and deliver throws down the field because he trusted the offensive line. We saw that in 2019. He trusted the offensive line, and he was able to make good decisions and not take these boneheaded sacks that that he's been taking or or bail out of a a clean pocket. You know, last year we kind of saw some of that with the, the revolving door they had at some positions at the, on the offensive line. And this year has been the same thing where the offensive line has been a mess. And we're starting to see that stuff kind of creep in and, and maybe taking a toll on him uh, physically, of course, too, but mentally as well. When you see him just leaving a clean pocket, that, that just means he does not trust the blockers that he has in front of him. Now, there are some things that it's just like, all right, Lamar, you know, you, you cannot do that. You know, I, I get the offensive line isn't good, but you can't take a sack, you know, on third down and take us out of field goal range. You cannot just th- toss a ball up in the end zone on a third down play and just hope somebody can make a play when you can just throw the ball away and we can kick a field goal because you're taking points off the board for us now. You know, the, those things are inexcusable. And, and there's there's nothing that, that you can say to defend him when it comes to that. But uh, I, as far as, you know, a big picture thing, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think he will find his way out of this slump. It's like a, like a basketball player. You know, they go through a shooting slump. And what do they say? Keep shooting. You know, that's, how you, that's how you're going to get out of the slump. You're not going to get out of the slump by not shooting anymore. You just got to keep shooting and it'll come back. And like you said, Mike, we saw it with Patrick Mahomes. You know, he was figured out, and it's no coincidence that when he was going through his struggles, his offensive line was struggling because that, that's a whole new unit that they have uh, up front with those guys. And it took some time because there's some young guys there. It took some time for them to gel, and now we see them gelling, and it's no coincidence that now that they're playing as one cohesive unit, now Patrick Mahomes' play picked up a lot as well too. Uh, I don't think we'll get that as far as the offensive line is concerned with the Ravens. But uh, I do think Lamar will be able to to, to right the ship in, in these last five games and 
and definitely not be the the player that that he's been for these last few weeks. Totally agree with both of you guys. Um, you know, so much of this is directly correlated to the offensive line. I mean, that that is going to impact any quarterback. I don't care, you know, how talented you are and what kind of ability you have to make throws, extend plays. At some level, uh, you've got to have sound protection. And when you don't, it's going to have a cumulative effect, right? Not only does it uh, affect you on an individual play, it starts to speed you up in terms of processing, in terms of your decision-making, in terms of your fundamentals when you don't anticipate being protected. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's natural. Again, we talked about being human. It's the natural, it's, it's a natural reaction uh, to, to that kind of situation. So that's, that's always going to be a huge factor in this for me. And then the other parts, like you said, is, is squarely on Lamar. You know, some of that decision-making, you know, that, that's about him. And, you know, he has to find that balance or I should say regain that balance. Uh, it's not like he's never had it. Obviously, he's had large stretches of play where he's played really well. So we know that he's had it and we know that he knows how to strike that balance. But right now, you know, it, it's kind of off kilter. And so it's about trying to regain that balance between, hey, there are certainly times where we want your natural talent to take over and make a play right you don't ever want to coach the playmaker out of a you know out of, out of a guy like that but there are also times where discretion has to be the better part of valor and you have to make decisions that are going to preserve points and you know um, Harbaugh always talks about winning football right and that's just basic fundamental stuff and so you know make decisions that are going to allow us to play winning football and he's done that and we know he'll do it again just going through one of those stretches right now that happens with all players at different points in their careers. And you just kind of have to grind your way through it, you know, and we all believe he will. Um, I guess another thing on this game, it's probably several things, but another one that just came to my mind, because we kind of touched on the defense a little bit earlier. Um, and, you know, I hate bringing up injuries, but that's been a big thing <laughs> this season. Unfortunately, Marlon Humphrey uh, losing him for the season with a torn peck. Um, I think Patrick McCarry is out for a few more weeks. I don't know if he, if, if Harbaugh gave a more specific update than that on McCarry. Uh, but we can stay with the defense for a moment and Marlon Humphrey. Um, uh, I'll start with you on this, Chris. Um, obviously that's a huge impact. I had to kind of check myself. It'd be stupid to say how big of an impact that is. Obviously it's a huge impact, but how do you see the defense adjusting, um, you know, with, with the loss of Marlon Humphrey? Uh, I mean, it's it sucks on multiple levels. You know, obviously on the field, uh, the presence that, that he has where he could, you know, lock up on a team's best receiver and more times than not, he'll be able to, to do a bang-up job and, and really shut those guys down. And then on, on the other side, off the field, it's like he's probably going to have more time to let off some of those disgusting tweets that he puts out about his food opinions so that that's another sad side of the story and uh now with him away anthony avert becomes our number one cornerback and the whole literally the whole cornerback room is banged up they're all injured all of them anthony avert's injured jimmy smith surprise is injured tavon uh tavon young is injured 
Chris Westry's injured. All of those guys are injured. <laughs> so it is not looking good, man. It's not looking good. They got uh the guy, uh what's his name? Kayvon Seymour. Yeah. The the, yeah. the the corner that the and I think he was on the COVID list, right? Yeah, he was on the COVID list. So they they signed another guy, Robert Jackson. Robert yeah, Jackson. He played, he played a little yeah. in that Steelers game on special teams. Yeah, he got penalized, I think, on one play too. Um, <laughs> so, so it's it's gonna be tough sledding, sledding, and uh, you know, hopefully that that front four they they they'll be able to create some pressure because it's it's not gonna be any prettier, you know, that than it's already been. That you're down Marcus Peters, you're down Marlon Humphrey, you're down Deshaun Elliott, you know, it's. It's in a dire situation right now, and fortunately for them, they aren't. I, I still believe in you know they, Anthony Averett. I still think you know he's a, a solid cornerback in this league. He's obviously not Marlon Humphrey. He's obviously not Marcus Peters, but damn it, he's no Frank Walker. So <laughs> we've seen this team in much worse situations uh, over the years, as far as the cornerback situation is concerned. So if he can stay healthy, if Tavon can stay healthy, and if Jimmy Smith can somehow miraculously stay healthy, and then a lot of people's darling for the train for training camp, Chris Westry, you know, a lot of people were screaming for him. So this is his time to shine, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, it's you know, when you're down your your top two corners, the Ravens are in a pretty good position compared to most teams because if most teams lost their top two corners. A lot of teams would just be dead in the water. But uh, luckily, the Ravens, they have some depth there, and, and it's going to be put to the test. Remind me, because, you know, I'm old and I can't remember stuff. Did, did Westry make the 53 out of camp, or did he was he like practice squad and then they called him up later? I don't remember. No, I think he made the 53. Nah, he made the 53. Okay. So yeah. I, I asked that because, like you said, um, Obviously, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey were starters for a reason, right? We're not belittling that. But these four guys that you mentioned, these were guys that were good enough to make your 53-man roster. Obviously, we know about Jimmy, Tavon, and Avery, but even Chris Westry. So to your point about we've seen it get worse, it ain't got to like some of these earlier seasons where it's like 2014 or maybe it was 2017. Maybe it was both of those where you're literally signing guys off the street to start mm-hmm. Right. They're not they're not coming in and playing a part of rotation. They're your starting corners off the street. Yeah. So, we, <laughs> so we haven't got remember the name Danny Gore. <laughs> so it, it goes that deep. And and a lot of people forget Chris Chris uh, Westry, he played quite a few snaps in that Raider game too. So it's not like he's just he's just been chilling on the bench. Like this is the guy that they wanted to to put him in the mix and and get them out there, and they, they thought highly of to, to have them out there week one. Yeah. You know, people will focus in on that one play in the Chicago game. Um, look, you play corner in this league, you're going to give up plays. This is the nature of the beast, right? But you're also going to make plays, and I think he's he's made some plays too, um, you know, when he's he's had some some opportunities. But, Kerry, uh, let me get your thoughts on the Marlon Humphrey uh, injury and, and how you think the defense can can adjust and – you know, still got games to play. We talked about that uh, before we we click record. You know, they're not going to cancel the season because you've lost both your starting corners, right? You still got to play games. So these guys, 
you got to get them ready to play and uh, you got to go out there and compete. So uh, what's your opinion? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Chris pointed out just how much better a situation they are in to kind of absorb this uh, compared to maybe some other teams. I mean, you look at it, they lost their top two corners. They traded a talented fifth round guy in Sean Wade before, uh, you know, before the season. That speaks to like how good they felt about this cornerback group. So for them to be able to, uh, you know, lose both guys, uh, starters, talented guys, and still be able to have, you know, a veteran like Jimmy, um, you know, a talented guy in Double A, uh, another talented guy in Westry, to have a guy in in Tavon who has played well enough to, uh, you know, to get a high dollar slot corner, you know, contract extension at one point. Um, you know, it just speaks to the the depth that they have. And, you know, Mike, I'm glad you, you made the comment about if you play corner in this league long enough, you're going to give up some plays. Well, also, it, it leads to a question I have for you guys because it seems like if you play corner for a Wink Martindale coach defense, <laughs> he's going to bring that blitz and you're going to give definitely going to give us some plays. <laughs> so – it's going to be interesting to see how things um, shift, um, you know, with with Marlon now down, uh, if we see kind of some things dialed back. And, um, you know, Mike, you actually kind of pointed out how we saw some things get dialed back in that Pittsburgh game, um, you know, later in that game. So it, I think more than anything, I'm looking to see how, they approach things schematically going forward with, with Marlon out. And if we see, um, you know, more of the two high safety looks and, and, and you know, a little bit less aggression, uh, but how they mix that in and they're able to still, um, you know, be themselves, be that aggressive Ravens defense we're used to seeing, um, you know, how they kind of strike that balance. Yeah, I got to give credit to my guy, Denard Melton, uh, the Fire Zone show will be recording Thursday. Should have an episode out Friday. Uh, but he mentioned that he and I were talking about something in a chat and he was like, maybe they'll play more zone now um, and, and try to simplify some things um, for for some younger guys like Westry. And he even mentioned Brandon Stevens. He said, hey, don't don't forget, he's got that ability to play um, some corner, you know, maybe maybe more in the slot than outside, even though he he played some outside corner at SLU. This this is the NFL. Uh, but he gives you that that flexibility where maybe he can give you some snaps at at, at corner um uh, inside. And then, you know, our guy Geno Stone, who's been playing more over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks since Deshaun Elliott uh was injured, might play um uh, even more, might play an even larger role if they decide to to move Brandon Stevens around. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you know, because Tavon, you know, I he played in the Steelers game, but like I said, if you go back and look at his snap count, I forget what the actual number was. It was pretty low, but I, I think I'm, I'm just assuming because of how low that it was, it was either he was on a snap count. Uh, I, I'm going to say not either. I'm going to say he was on a snap count because I think Pittsburgh was in 11 personnel enough where you'd expect your nickel to be out there a little bit more than what he was. Um, so I think he was probably still on a bit of a pitch count coming off um of his injury let's see Tavon yeah oh wow yeah that was way fewer than I expected that was eight snaps uh 13 percent snaps out of a total of 60 uh defensive snaps so that was that was way lower than I thought 
Um, so they might have to do that if if they kind of have to continue to manage Tavon's snaps with whatever injury he's working through. You, you might need to have uh, Brandon Stevens play in the slot a little bit, which he did earlier when Deshaun Elliott was healthy and, and, and both, you know, Deshaun and Chuck were back at safety. He, he mixed in the slot at times. Um, so, you know, you do have that flexibility as well. So, like you said, it's not it's not ideal. You certainly would prefer to still have Marlon Humphrey in there. Um, but, you know, this is what it is. And you probably are as well positioned as you could be to lose an all pro type corner at this point in the season when you already lost your other all pro type corner before the season. Mm -hmm. This is probably about as well positioned as you could be in terms of depth. Jimmy Smith, obviously a veteran guy. We just mentioned Tavon, a veteran guy. Double uh, A, a younger veteran type guy, but still, you know, kind of fits in that young vet category. This is what his fourth year, his fourth year in the league. He's um, going to be a free agent. Yeah. So fits in that, that young vet category, you know, Chris, Rest Chris Westry, a young guy, Brandon, his second year in the league, he was, he was with the Cowboys last year. And then, um, you know, Brandon Stevens has played a ton as a rookie. Um, you know, they've needed him to, but even before they needed him to, he was getting snaps. So, you know, we'll see. I, I, I skew probably more the other way than a lot of people. Um, I don't see as much doom and gloom because I'm like, look, just because I, I, I say this, it doesn't mean that these guys are going to come out and play well. Cause I mean, you can easily, if they don't, you can easily turn that around and see, I told you it was going to be trash. All right. <laughs> but <laughs> I always try to think about it from the perspective of guys have to play. You have to play the game. Guys have to play when whoever you had in that starter role gets injured and then maybe the next guy's in and he gets injured, whatever the case may be, you've got to get guys ready to play and then they've got to go out and play and compete and give you a chance to win the game. And so I try not to get hung up on it. I'm just like, look, it's a bummer. I wish it wasn't happening, but it happened and you got to move forward now because you can't go into this week thinking, oh, what are we going to do? How are we gonna how are we gonna match up with the Browns? You know, how are we gonna defend? We don't have Marlon Humphrey. How are we gonna cover this guy? How are we gonna cover that guy? That's not gonna work. <laughs> You've got to give these guys confidence that they can go out there and be successful, that you're developing a game plan and you're gonna put them in positions that will help them be successful and make plays, right? That's the kind of confidence I would think you you want to instill in these guys. Not that, well, we know you're not as good as Marlon, but we need you to go in there. To, uh, you can't do that. So I look at it a little bit differently probably than some people, but maybe I'm crazy. That's a real possibility. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you've, been, you've been studying too much of that all 23 tape. Man, that all 23 is another level. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's a whole separate pod. We, we won't even get into that on this pod. That one might need a pod all of its own. Uh, if you, you don't know what that is, GTS. GTS that, and you might find out. If you don't know what GTS is, GTS, GTS, and you'll figure it out. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Google GTS. That's what I meant to say. Google GTS and you'll figure it out. Um, let me see. What else did I want to talk about in this game? Um, run game. Run game. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see where else we want to go from there. Um, I thought that they showed some things in the run game, uh, particularly in the first half. Obviously, it bogged down a little bit in the second half. Um, but we saw some new wrinkles. You really see new wrinkles every week. Um, you know, I'm still charting the run game and it's been this way 
going back to when Roman took over as offensive coordinator. Um, if he has a strength as an offensive coordinator, it's it's run game design. And he adds new game plan specific wrinkles every week. We saw the nice little play to Devontae Freeman with the end around action from DuVernay, and they came back with Freeman in the counter. Beautifully um, designed play, very well blocked. You know, I showed it. Uh, I think I tweeted it out earlier today. Of course, I had people saying, oh, that's JK. That's to the house. Hey, hey. we're not gonna do that we're not gonna do that okay because that's that's just not even a realistic conversation at this point i miss jk hope he's recovering well want to see both him and gus back healthy next year but we are where we are Um, you you want you want to know sorry to interrupt you want to know how jaded my my eyes are right now is they uh adam Schefter tweeted a picture of uh jk with the michigan shirt on with uh Mm. coach harbaugh and I was looking at him. I'm like, I think he might be able to suit up. He looks pretty healthy to me. <laughs> we need to see some pictures of Gus, too. Um, so, you know, we know that they've been having to kind of cobble together the run game all year long. Um, but I think Devontae Freeman has kind of shown a little something in these last couple of games. You know, not not huge numbers, right? Not, not like going to blow your mind kind of numbers, but um, – Showing a little wiggle, showing a little juice. Um, obviously catching the ball out of the backfield. I think he was targeted like eight times in this game. Is that right? Which it caught my eye because I, I thought that that was like an unusually high number of running back targets for Lamar. It's not really something that he majors in uh, a lot. And I was like, ooh, that's that's a pretty <laughs> this is a pretty high number. Uh, was it? Yeah, eight targets, five catches, forty five yards. Yeah. Um, And so I think you've seen that a little bit from Freeman. You've seen him, you know, kind of be a factor in the passing game a little bit. We even saw Lamar, um, um, Latavius, Latavius Murray, uh, catch a couple balls in the passing game Mm -hmm. and make a play. Um, What do you guys think about the state of the run game? We know, and I'll start with you, Kara. We know they've they've been trying to cobble this thing together, like I said, but uh, it seems like it's stabilized from the standpoint of, they kind of have more defined roles for the guys that they have right now. We even see Nate, we even saw Nate McCrary get in that game and get a couple carries. Um, again, the numbers aren't going to be there like they were last year, or certainly not 2019, which was historic. But it seems like they've kind of found more defined roles for these guys. What, what do you think, Gary? Yeah, it's interesting, man. Um, so first, I think what you're seeing when you talked about how Roman brings out new wrinkles every week is there's a, a vault of some sort. Mm. <laughs> that I heard something about that. Maybe that he about goes the existence to of this vault. Pulls a few things out and, you know, closes it back up, you know, to make sure nothing else gets out. But, yeah, yeah I thought that it was a kind of a turning point for the running game, um, honestly. Um, I think I mean, the, the Steelers' run defense hasn't really been good, and I think um, because you just see and you, you're so used to them having a dominant run defense, you kind of just assume that it's going to be tougher than what it is. But I, I do still think that there was good things to take from the game. Um, I mean, Devontae Freeman, I mean, he must have went and did some yoga or, or – mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's not even Devontae Freeman underneath that that uniform or what. But mm-hmm. earlier in the season, I didn't see these perimeter ones with him actually turning the corner. 
but the last couple of weeks he's been turning that corner. Um, so you know, whatever he's done, hats off to him. But you definitely see a lot more juice there, and um, you know, I think he's kind of um, separated himself, you know, in his running game. And then Latavius Murray getting him back, and he looks healthier every week, and uh, you know, he's able to kind of pound in between the tackles and do some of those things and and both of these guys are experienced in the passing game they can catch the ball out of the backfield so i think going forward i'm pretty comfortable with where this running game is now like you said mike it's not going to be like last year you know we don't have guys that are just going to be you know able to just rip off runs like a jk or a guy like gus that you know get to the second level and all of a sudden you just see the the safety just stop and just hold on for dear life because they know Gus is about to run over them. Uh, you know, we're not getting that. But I think w- what we're getting now is more than enough to kind of, um, you know, push forward with a successful offense. Um, so, you know, hats off to Roman, hats off to uh, Latavius and, um, and uh, Devontae Freeman uh, for sure. Yeah. And I, again, I, I know people, you know, that are big in the numbers may, may hear what I'm saying and like, oh, he's not, put, but again, to me is it's less about the numbers than it is about, okay, we have these roles that we're really comfortable with these guys in and we have plays and concepts that we think each guy, you know, does well. I think they were still trying to find that for, for a big chunk of the, the first part of the season. And I think last couple of weeks they've kind of found that, but yeah, Devonte Freeman, you know, he's going to be right around that 50, 60 yard mark, you know, 14 to 16 carries somewhere in there. Um, you know, Freeman, you know, his numbers are a little bit down um, coming off the injury, but before that, you know, he was in that probably, you know, five to eight, nine carry range, you know, 30, 40 yards, somewhere in there. Uh, and then Nate McCrary, you know, still a little bit of a of an unknown because this was his first game action with the Ravens. Didn't get a ton of work, like I said, only two carries. Um, but, you know, we, we, we don't know what he's going to be, right? I'd like to see him get a few more opportunities and get comfortable. I think it takes time to get comfortable, not just, you know, Obviously, he's a rookie playing in his first NFL game, but also to get comfortable in this Ravens run game uh, because it is so multidimensional. They do run so many different concepts and they block them up so many different ways. Uh, I think it can take time to get comfortable with all of that. Um, But Chris, what do you think about the run game? Again, not going to be what we've been accustomed to, but I think that they've kind of slotted themselves in to some grooves. Uh, in terms of what guys are doing. And and I like that stability. I think that's a good thing. What about you? Yeah, I do too. Uh, that The hot hand approach that they were trying to go with where they're just shuffling guys in different series and different, you know, different plays. It was just, there's no way your, your running backs can get into a groove like that, especially new guys that are trying to figure out, you know, the offensive line and, and just the, the timing and, and their rhythm of everything. That's not going to work. Now we're seeing Devontae Freeman. He's, you know, been the guy for a few weeks now. And like Kerry said, you see him, he's comfortable now. And he kind of has some juice to him now. And I, I feel like that that approach is the way to go. Let him be the lead guy, sprinkle in Latavius. Maybe some of those young guys, whether it's, uh, dare I say, Tyson Williams or... Say the oh, name. <laughs> name that will not be spoken. <laughs> 
whether it's one of those two young guys, um, I, I do feel like Freeman has been the, the best back end. And you, like you said, Mike, the stats they don't they don't look like anything when you just you know box score scout. But when you watch the game, he's ripping off some impressive runs and some really tough yards where other backs they won't be able to get what he's getting. Now I'm not talking about the upper echelon of backs like you know a J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards. I'm just talking about a regular average running back. He's able to squeeze out yards that other backs won't, you know, they, they just can't do because his vision, that's just something he'll always have. The vision is always there. And his ability to find those small creases to get those last two or three yards on a drive where most guys will just get tackled. That's an ability that you don't see in the, in the stat sheet. So just the, the smarts that he brings as far as just being a running back and be able to find those holes. Uh, I, I do think they, they found something with him and, and I, I think they can they can get the run game sort of on track now with him there. Yeah, and he, he still got some sauce in the hole too, man. Some of them cuts that he's making on dudes in the hole. I mean, people aren't laying a hand on him on some of those cuts. And, you know, for a guy who who's been doing it as long as he's been doing it, that's that's still impressive to me. But yeah, I, I think he has gotten comfortable. And I think that's why, just just my opinion, I think that's why you're seeing a little bit more of that juice because he's not having to to think as much. It's not about processing, okay, well, you know, what is this play? And, you know, how do I read this block? How is this guy going to block it? How do I set this up? You know, he's he's developed a little bit more of that that level of comfort and that little bit, um, you know, you know, better rhythm um, with the plays and with the designs and, and his blockers. So I think, you know, you're starting to see uh, that ability that he still has um, kind of come to the forefront now. So uh, I, I've I've been encouraged with it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it, it kind of uh, was bottled up in the second half uh, of that Steelers game. And, you know, you, you, you'd you like to see it, you know, kind of keep going the way it was going in the first half. But, you know, that's that's been part of that that up and down kind of roller coaster ride that they've had uh, with the run game this year. But when you have Lamar, you know, you're always going to have an opportunity to have a pretty successful run game. I mean, they're still third in the league in yards, which is crazy to me. And I know he plays a big part in that, obviously, with, with the rushing yards that he brings to the table. But um, even with your quarterback being as dynamic a runner as Lamar is, when you look at um, what they lost in J.K. and uh, in Gus, just from a talent standpoint, it's still pretty impressive to me that they are where they are. Uh, in terms of a rushing offense. But, you know, like I said, Lamar is the tide that that lifts all boats. Uh, <laughs> so that's it's pretty nice to have that. Um, was there anything else that we wanted to touch on? I think I, I checked off all of the stuff that uh, I had written down that we talked about before we started recording. Either one of you guys got anything else you want to hit on? No, I'm good. good. No, yeah, I think I get everything. <laughs> That's all that I can think of. Um, I guess if if we want to just do this as we wrap up a little bit, um, just kind of get your initial thoughts. I know we're still early in the week. It's only Tuesday, but um, pretty quick rematch with the Browns. Just played them, you know, uh, the week before the Steelers game and now going up to their place uh, to play them again. Um, 
that game uh, back Sunday night football um, in, in M&T was kind of – it really kind of caught me off guard from the Browns' offensive standpoint. I, I really expected them to run the ball more. Um, I didn't know necessarily, you know, um, how it was going to play out with uh, Calais being out. You know, I, I thought it was going to be a challenge for sure, and, and the rounds might have some more success just in terms of yardage. But I'm just talking about attempts. I just thought they would attempt more runs, and they, they that really kind of surprised me that they got away from that. And I, I think that that played, you know, into the Ravens' hands. Now, the Ravens also, when they did run, uh, and this might be why they didn't attempt more, the Ravens shut it down. So that might be why they didn't attempt more because uh, they weren't having very much success with it. I mean, I think they they had a couple of of, of runs, you know, maybe a seven, eight, nine yarder here or there. And when I'm talking about tuple, I'm talking about two or three. Uh, and outside of that, it was pretty much nothing. Uh, but just kind of initial thoughts going into this rematch. Uh, I'll start with you, Chris. Just kind of any uh, initial observations. We we not we don't have to get in like predictions or any of that, but just kind of what you think about playing a division rival <laughs> this quickly. Them coming off of a bye week, too. So they've had a yeah. chance to kind of rest and recover a little bit. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, I, I mean, initially, if you would have asked me this three weeks ago and you would have said Patrick McCarry and, and Marlon Humphrey will be out, I'd be like, all right, that's an automatic loss. But right now they're going to be down Jack Conklin, who's their starting right tackle. They're going to be down Harrison Bryant. It uh, looks like they're going to be down David and Joku too, and mm-hmm. they're a team that they run thirteen personnel. So that's a huge, huge part of their offense where they're down two of their top three tight ends. And honestly, other than the running backs, who's going to scare you? You know, Donovan People Jones. Donovan Peoples Jones. He's he was injured. His first game back was against the Ravens a couple weeks ago. Then you got Jarvis Landry. Other than that, there's nobody really as far as wide receivers or tight ends who scares you. So you can go back into this game and pretty much just zero in on the running backs again. And we don't even know what's up with Kareem Hunt because he didn't play the last series of that game because his his uh, calf strain uh, tightened up on him again. So we don't know how effective he'll be in this game. So and then it, now you said it. You said it, Mike, where the Sunday night game, they didn't even have Calais, and they were able to bottle up the run game. So now they'll have Calais back, too. So I, I think it's a, you know, they, they match up pretty well with them defensively uh, and against what they want to do and what they'll be able to do as far as uh, what the Browns want to do on offense. Yeah, and it's going to be another, almost like this this Steelers game, um, in, in some respects, it's going to be another back-against-the-wall game um for for their opponent i mean the browns are sitting at six and six um right now in the division steelers were you know um kind of holding that last spot down but uh with that win they're now up to six wins so they've got six wins browns have six wins Bengals have seven um ravens still game up with eight but it's it's that kind of do or die situation in a lot of ways um you know you don't want to go down you know you don't want to lose these two games in the division uh, so I expect that, and they're going to be at home, and and even with those injuries and that, those tight end injuries, man, you made such a good point. That is key uh, for them because I think that affected some of what they wanted to do when they lost Harrison Bryant in that game. Um, and now if he's out, 
again, which which he is. And then if if Njoku can't go, and now you're down to just Austin Hooper, I think that that really kind of alters what they want to do on offense. So key key thing uh, to watch there with with Njoku because he's what COVID list. Yeah, I think they on. just put him on the COVID list today. Yeah, so you know maybe he'll have a TJ Watt situation where he'll be on there early in the week and then he'll he'll clear and test negative and, and be able to play during the game. Uh, but let me get your thoughts on that, Kerry, kind of going into this rematch. Uh, do the schedule makers hate the Ravens? Um, are they Browns fans? Have they been paid by the league? Uh, take it anywhere you want to go. Yeah, this is going to be one. This is going to be a tough game, I think, because like you said, the Browns have gotten a chance to to sit back and just pretty much prepare for this team. And, you know, Mike, you pointed out how um, they they didn't run the ball as much as we expected that last game. Well, I definitely expect that to get rectified this game. I, I don't care what the results of it, um, you know, are. You know, the, the Ravens are going to have to, you know, buckle up their chin straps because they're going to get um, a lot of carries coming their way um, in this game, you know. The Browns and this offense, this pass offense, has kind of struggled in recent weeks. Um, they're a team that, you know, they're built off the run game, but you're used to seeing a lot more uh, cohesion in their passing offense, a lot of play action, a lot of things. You know, they they try to keep Baker, um, you know, with those, with those, um, those training wheels on, on them, and, and they're able to kind of, produce without having him go outside of the structure of the offense a lot. Um, but last few weeks or so, uh, you know, partly as him, partly as injuries, whatever the case may be, they just haven't had that, um, that production in the passing game. And so I think they saw that last game um, against the Ravens and they saw how badly he struggled. And I think the first thing they're going to try to do is line up, try to run the football and see if they can, create that rhythm again so uh, I think the Ravens are going to have to be prepared for that uh, that David Njoku thing is huge whether he plays or not you know I, I don't know how big people think it's going to be I think it's going to be massive because uh, like you said Chris they don't really have a lot of guys that that really scare you in the passing game but Njoku is such a a mismatch he's such a weapon and, you know, the Ravens don't have a lot of middle-of-the-field guys right now that they can really trust to line up and cover. Um, so, you know, taking a mismatch like him out, um, you know, out of the equation would be huge, um, you know, for the Ravens and 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 some of the things they're going to have to do uh, going forward with, with Marlon out and, and some of the adjustments they're going to have to make. So just what happens with Njoku and – can the Ravens, you know, stand up to this running game uh, are going to be the the two key factors for me going into it. Yeah, it's it's going to be a battle. And just to give you uh, a reminder of how impressive that defensive performance was against um, their run game, um, because I had to look it up. Kareem Hunt, seven for 20, no touchdowns. Nick Chubb, eight for 16 no touchdown. So those guys, uh, 15 carries for 36 yards between the two of those guys. And it, you know, if, if it's not the best one, two punch in, in, in terms of running back in the league, it's among the best. Uh, and so to, to hold them down in that way, uh, was really impressive. And really it was Jarvis 
Jarvis, you know, 10 targets, six catches for 111 yards. He was a guy that really did a lot of the damage. I know Njoku got the touchdown, which really wasn't a touchdown, but we'll leave that. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was really, you know, Jarvis that, that kind of, you know, you know, hit him for some yardage in that game. But I think what, what they mostly did well in that game was, you know, they gave up some plays in, in the passing game, but they got guys on the ground. That's something me and Denard has talked about a lot, um, throughout this year from a defensive perspective. Hey, you're going to give up plays. You'd like not to have some of those busts that they've had, but if you can tackle the ball. Right. Those plays don't turn into touchdowns. It can be long. Maybe it's a 20, 30, 40 yarder. But if it doesn't turn into a touchdown and you can get the guy on the ground and line up and play another snap of defense, you know, you still got a chance to keep points off the board or at least limit them to a field goal. And they did a really good job of that uh, in that Browns game. It was the Njoku touchdown. And then I think there was what maybe one or two Browns uh, <laughs> field goals. What was it? It was one. Yeah. It was the Njoku touchdown. And then, um, Chase McLaughlin field goal and that that was it uh so if you can play defense that way um you got a you got a, an opportunity to to stay in games and 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 help you know have your offense put up some points um when they're on the field and give you a chance to win so I'm looking forward to it should be another good game going to be very interesting down the stretch here Ravens you know no no real no real easy games uh, going down the stretch, you know, you got the Browns again, you got the Bengals again, you got Steelers again, you got the Packers in there, you got the Rams in there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it ain't, it ain't no cakewalk, uh, you know, for them to to not only win this division, but uh, hopefully get in, you know, to the to the tournament the playoffs. Um, they're going to have to take it. You know, no, nobody's giving you anything off of that schedule. You're going to have to go in there and take that. So, um it's going to be exciting. Always is. And just, mm-hmm. I, it just reminds me just to appreciate football, man, because we're coming down to the end and uh, it feels like, oh, we still got, you know, four or five weeks, whatever. It goes so fast. Then you're into the playoffs and you're into the Super Bowl and then that's it. You yeah. know, and I, you're in the draft season, free agency, all of that. And, you know, you don't see games again for a long time. So I'm appreciating all these games. Obviously, I want them to win, but win, lose or draw. Uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of these games because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in the back nine of this season and uh, it's going to be over before you know it. Uh, but I guess with that, we'll go ahead and close this thing out. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, download, subscribe, like, tweet, retweet, <laughs> you know, tell a friend to tell a friend, all of that good stuff. Uh, we appreciate you uh, and, and we'll be back at you, you know, when, when, Hey, just keep listening. Keep your ear to the streets. And we'll be there. Till next time. Your grind and my grind ain't the same, dog. I'm the catalog. You the same song. So cool and old school like A4. The one your little mommy winding up a waist for. The name that real niggas got their hand raised for. Me and Minnie got your block yellow tape, dog. So skate off. To the streets, to the beach, the bitches, the niggas, the women, the children, the workers, the killers, the addicts, the dealers, the quiet, the livers, the realists, and that's close. To the edge, back, middle, and front, strong back, shit, lifting it up. From the big and the small, I'm like Jay Brown, getting involved. And when I'm letting off around, don't get in the cross. Have your preacher man speaking low, getting his cross. Tell a wild cowboy not to get off they horse before they find out the town on strictly a force. It's a real bad way to get your name in the sauce. Testing the limits of-